Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you. I'm Harvey, a sexaholic. I've been sexually sober. Um, let's see, today is the 8th, so I've been sober 38 years and 11 months. Uh, one day at a time. By the way, I'm an old man now. <laughs> and when people get old, they either get a hand trimmer or they get a sometimes a vocal cord trimmer. I got the vocal cord shake, so they put Botox into my vocal cord. I wish they would have done it on my forehead. But I'm a little hoarse, so that's why I've recently had the the shot. Um, And as you could notice, sobriety doesn't change vanity. Still talking about the Botox on my forehead someday, maybe. I'm Harvey, a sexaholic. I'm going to do something I hardly ever or never do because I usually always just share. Today, I'm gonna do something a little different in the beginning. I'm actually gonna read to you. What am I gonna read? I'm gonna read an article I wrote called What is Sex with Self that was published in the essay 20 years ago. And want to give you a little background of the miracles of this program. Number one, I'm dyslexic, and it's very difficult for me to write. I could speak, but the minute I take the pencil down, it stops. And the miracle is after, by, let's see, almost 20, about 20 years of recovery, I was able to write an article that actually got printed. This program is unbelievable. You can never know where it takes you to. And that article ended up getting put into the best of essay story. Uh, articles in another essay publication. And lo and behold, over the past many years, I've written about 13 articles at least for the essay. Who could figure this stuff up? I can't. You know, we so often talk about God's will like we really know what God's will is. Well, I get to know God's will only in reverse. When you look backwards and you see what has happened and where you've ended up and what your life's like today, retrospectively, you see that will 
just like a beautiful tapestry that we only end up seeing most of the time through the back where the knots and every now and then you get to walk in front of the tapestry and you get to see this beautiful picture. Now this article I printed, I mean, I submitted was during a very classic time in essay history. The fellowship was totally preoccupied. Wrong word, totally. I still exaggerate. Was very preoccupied with the definition of what is marriage. That's all he got to speak about, for the, hear about. By the way, this is only my opinion, and I never speak for essay as a whole. These are just my perceptions. And so lo and behold, all this time and energy was being put into what is the definition of marriage for sobriety that finally they put in an asterisk in our big book, in our essay book. And yet there I was watching people use two different terms. They'd say, I'm sober today for such and such a time. Technically. But I watched pornography a month ago. They have two levels of sobriety. And it was getting louder and louder, this concept of technical sobriety versus sobriety. And so lo and behold, I said, I've had enough of this. I want to contribute some ideas I have on it. So with that in mind, I'm going to read you the article. Just about two pages. What is sex with self? Over the years, I have become more aware of how many people in our fellowship have limited the term sex with self to mean masturbation to orgasm. I believe this is a problem. I could never consider limiting the definition to merely meaning masturbation to orgasm. In our fellowship, isn't sex with self? Touching oneself for the purpose of sexual stimulation with or without an orgasm? Isn't sex with self watching internet pornography? for the purpose of self-stimulation? Isn't sex with self any act one does while alone with a motivation for sexual stimulation? Those people who wonder why they repeatedly relapse might consider that they have never really gotten sober. Yes, they stopped masturbating to orgasm, but nothing else changed. Some continued stimulating themselves, but not to orgasm. Others continued watching internet pornography, and others live in sexual fantasy while letting themselves become aroused. 
if this is not sex with self, then what do we call it? I call this behavior sex with self. It is, is it not analogous to the situation of Alcoholics Anonymous when years ago people would call themselves sober in AA while still smoking marijuana? Although nothing officially deals with this situation in the AA book, the general feeling in meeting rooms, to the best of my understanding, is that these people are not really sober. What is the solution? Do we itemize each form of sex with self? Do we define it specifically for each other? Do we merely continue to ignore the problem as a fellowship and just say it is part of progressive victory over lust? No, I do not believe these are the solutions. I believe the solution is in the statement to thine own self be true. Our top plates are revealed as we become more honest with ourselves. We then discuss these top plates with our sponsor. We say something like this. I do such and such behavior to sexually stimulate myself. This is a form of sex with self. If I do this behavior again, I will call it a loss of my sobriety. For some, it might be so obvious that they know their sobriety had already been lost. Either way, this behavior needs to be confronted and not swept under the carpet of denial. Lately, I have been hearing the term technical sobriety. I have heard stories where people will say, I have this amount of time of technical sobriety and such and such length of time sober from internet pornography. I do not believe this is being honest with ourselves. Is our behavior sex with self or isn't it? How will people want what we have if we are not willing to get honest with ourselves concerning our own sexual sobriety? I do not have all the answers. However, this is definitely an area where more is being revealed. I merely know what has worked for me for over 18 years of sexual sobriety. What has worked is for me to have a clear definition of sexual sobriety concerning sex with self that is more than merely masturbation to orgasm. Let's begin to talk about this subject at all levels of our fellowship. Let us search for a language and application of our principles that will help us help one another move out of denial, a denial that keep us from experiencing the full freedom of mature sobriety. Let us bring light to this subject and let us truly face what is sex with self. This was written in 202, 20, 21 years ago. Nothing much has changed. How often do you hear that topic coming up? Oh man, the word God. Woo! Every other word you hear God on our Zoom meetings. But talking about our disease, whoa, no. We don't do that. We don't talk about what is at the core of our addiction, sex with self. There are so many taboo 
topics that keep our fellowship in denial. We don't talk about sex and marriage. Most people in recovery are married and having sex. Very rare if ever you hear that topic. But especially, what is sex with self? Let alone the core. What is lust? I and so many people I have met are so used to wearing blinders that there's no way to see beyond it unless we start asking questions without having to have an answer. It's in the question that we get the freedom. The answer is merely another ego trick that uses rationalizing a rational lie to deal with it. I once asked the question at a conference I was given, a workshop, what is sex with self? And some guy yelled out, it's fun. <laughs> no one's laughing, but it was very funny when they said it. The problem is it might have been fun. It might have been what helped save my life growing up as a teenager when my life was so difficult and painful. But at some point, my best friend turned into my enemy because my brain is not made like normal men's brains. I cannot control and enjoy sex with self. Most men can, or women who do it. Most people can drink alcohol. I can't successfully. I'm also an alcoholic. I have a physical allergy by mental obsession. Now, I once got a call from someone, I must have been quite a few years sober, saying, you know, I've noticed that I lean against the countertop in my Whoop, Harvey, you went mute. We heard you say countertop. Okay. That's it. For me to stop. <laughs> um, that the guy called to say he was leaning against the countertop and getting a little off on it the lean, and all of a sudden, I realized I was leaning against the countertop too. A top plate. I remember the day I realized that I was always driving early on in recovery with my arms on my lap on top of my pelvic area. So much of my behavior was so deep-seated that I didn't even notice it myself. Until we get not in the 12th step, that just helps us see it. We get 
these many spiritual awakenings of seeing what we've never seen before. That's what an awakening is. We're blind and then we see amazing grace. Once I see it, and I keep doing it, that's sex with self for me. That's just fooling me. I can't work on something I don't see. But once I see it, that's it. I have many rituals. Five minutes, Harvey. How many? Five minutes. Okay, thank you. I'm smiling because <laughs> it doesn't matter that my vocal cords are not well today. I'm still talking. <laughs> By the way, how am I talking? Have you ever asked yourself that question when you're sharing? How am I talking? We don't have the script. We're not thinking. That's our true self. What we avoid the place where my disease lives, I have a chance of being my true self. The joy of these meetings that are so international is that we see this has nothing to do with religion or governments or families that we all have the same symptoms. And it also lets us see a loving God manifested through our group conscience because we get exposed to other thinking. We get exposed to Eastern thinking. We in the West have been so only exposed to Judeo-Christian thinking. In these meetings, we get Muslim thinking and Buddhist and Hindu thinking, and it takes some of our blinders off to get to the true self. I am not my body. I am not my mind. How can I be my body when I look in the mirror and I can't believe I'm the guy I am? I look like an old man. And yet I'm not an old man. And I sure can't be my mind. Wow, you don't want to know what my mind can do not all of a sudden. I am a vessel from the 11th step prayer. I am merely a channel to bring this message. What is the message? Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, that's the message. We complicate the message. It's an individual journey based on our group conscience. 
And so each of us need to face the way you self-stimulate yourself physically. Because in this program, you can say you're sober and you can be standing in front of a window watching a woman undress without her knowing it and get excited but not masturbate to orgasm and you could say I'm sober. Time. And the only one that gets hurt from that is ourselves. The fellowship will go on but we will have a problem not being true to ourselves. Okay. Thanks, wow. Harvey. Thanks, Harvey. Thank, Thank you, you so Harvey. much. Thanks, Thanks Harvey. Harvey. Hey, Lee. Hey, my name's Lee, and I'm a real sexaholic. And uh, I really appreciate you doing that. This is a can of worms that needs to be addressed. I, I've been worried about it since I was uh, in Glendale Methodist Church uh, talking about this. Uh, excuse me, Lee. Excuse ago. me, Lee. Let yeah. me just let me just remind folks to please mute your mic unless you're speaking. Go ahead, Lee. Sorry about that. That's all right. I am. Uh, I, I just really appreciate opening the, opening the can, and I I've often wondered. How many people could be sexually sober many, many years, never having taken a second look? Uh, because technically, uh, that might be considered that too. So where we draw the line is uh, a real, a real question to me. And so, uh, for that reason, I, I can only say I'm sober one day, and uh, it's a uh, it's a big, it's a question that I don't know. Where do you draw the line? That's the question. Excellent. Uh, and by the way, Lee probably has over three decades, if not more, of sexual sobriety. Lee was in the beginning in Nashville and is one of the gifts to our fellowship because he was willing for years to talk about the medical neurochemical aspect of addiction. And Lee, can I share for a second the story of when you went to the Titans football team? Uh, yeah, are they, well, Titans are, you're talking about the UT uh, yeah, the athletic U department. It was yeah. the athletic department. Uh, Lee has a very interesting story about sex with self. And um, he decided to 12-step the University of Tennessee's football team. This was when we were early on and we were 12-stepping everyone. <laughs> and they were in shock. <laughs> so Lee decided not to do that again. <laughs> okay, Lee, I'm going to answer your question because it's a perfect one. Because that's what I asked Roy, our founder about a year or two before he died. Roy, who wrote the essay book. And I was at a conference with Roy and kind of cornered him. And I said, Roy, why are you so defining the definition of marriage, but not defining what is sex with self? And he shocked me. 
he said, because this is not a religion. We cannot dot every I. So what is Lee referring to I'm feeling? For some people, photography is merely opening up a newspaper with lingerie articles in it. For other people, pornography is watching hardcore pornography. The guy looking at the newspaper, lingerie ads, or mesmerized and can't stop looking at the cheerleaders in a football game. Where do you draw the line? And that's where the concept of to thine own self be true is. You get a 23-year-old young man or woman, but I only know about men, and you get a 60-year-old man, they're going to have different issues about arousals. A 23-year-old might get aroused out of nowhere for no reason. The 60-year-old will be different. But we're all the same. What does it mean? It means, does it produce the phenomenon of craving? I recently had a wonderful experience. One of my sponsees sent me a little video, and he called it the taco chip test. Because I always say, when you go to a Mexican restaurant and that taco chip touches your tongue, the salt, the flour, the oil touches your tongue, the phenomenon of craving begins. And you must eat a second chip. Unless someone bets you a million dollars, maybe. <laughs> You have to eat that second potato chip. But does that happen with broccoli or cauliflower? Heck no, not with me. <laughs> the chip causes a phenomenon of craving, not the broccoli. Until you can jump the hoop, the loop, that this is not about sin and not sinning. It's not about being bad, getting good, until you can accept the first step that we are men who have lost our legs, that we, men and women, that we are having an allergy with a mental obsession with phenomenons of craving, it's going to be tough to accept what is sex with self to you that produces craving. Someone once said, I'm learning to clean things up a little more. Oh, but didn't finish. So the taco test. So he actually started eating chips to say, let's see if this really works. It was a beautiful example of putting humor into the phenomenon of craving. Yes, it truly is a phenomenon. But someone said, I'll try to say it vaguely, when you're in a shower and you're washing up, the first time you soap it up, 
That's hygiene. The second and third time you do it, that's playing with yourself. Did that old self be true? <laughs> Some people might need three washers, but you know down deep, you know. People will call from all over the world to ask me something or text me. And I'll usually write back, you already know the answer. You know it. To thine own self be true. And what is it we know? We know it's a problem and I can't stop it. I'm powerless. So rare do you hear that word come up? I'm powerless. And how do we know this? From something my sponsor taught me decades ago. The program is not about drinking or about lust or sex. It's about comfort. If we don't get comfortable, we are going to default to our acting out. You know what behavior you have that's continuing to give you discomfort. And until you could say, I am powerless over stopping and use the tools and reaching out and using the 18 wheeler or as we had, excuse me, in, in Nashville for years, we had this hung on the wall, rubber bands. We used to hand out rubber bands to put on your wrist. Now this doesn't work if you're into SNM. That, it doesn't work. But what do you do? It works wonderfully. Oops. Can you all still see me? Bits my screen went off. Let's see. Yeah, yes. We can, Harry, er, Harvey, I'm sorry, Harvey. And we do have another, uh, a bunch of other hands up. First so one is this. Okay. Every time the thought comes, whammo. Woo, the brain doesn't like that feeling. Raphael's doing it now. And to respond to Lee's question, if the second luck is upsetting, that every time you do the second look, you use a rubber band. Get not intestine now. Man, the brain doesn't like that feeling. And it will stop the second look. If the second look is causing the phenomenon of craving, which will then lead to being uncomfortable. See, we have no rules here. You can't be kicked out. There are no leaders. We just have trusted servants. Okay, next question. Okay, thank, thanks, Harvey. Um, and speaking of Raphael, he was the next one with, with his hand up, with rubber band and all. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Um, Harvey, thank you so much for your talk. Um, I have what I have a question about. Well, I'm in the program because of obviously lust. Um, one of my behaviors is quote unquote falling in love at first sight with people with a women that are, are very attractive. And at work, I, I get to encounter many people from the public who are beautiful and to me. And uh, again, I fall in love all the time. I don't know if that is, and, and, and if I have to see someone over and over because of uh, where they are in the office, um, I, I have a, 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 I want to say hi, 
because I get, I guess, to be honest, I get, it feels good to, to see them say hi back and to see their smile. Um, now I don't crave it. I rather not have to pass through in front of this person. But if I do have to pass in front of this person, I quote unquote, I cannot help. I'm powerless over looking at her and saying hello. Is that, does that sound like sex with self? It, it well, I, I'm not going to answer that part. I'm going to just talk about you use the word I fall in love with her. No, you fall in sex with her. See, it's being honest with ourselves. There's no shame in it. The problem is when we're lying to ourselves. When I talk about I'm going to be intimate with my wife sexually, I don't say I'm going to make love to her. Who are we kidding? Rabbits do it. Now, a loving relationship, and it tends to help many times and in certain respects of intimacy. But the sex act is a sex act. And so I'm going to tell you a little story. Because, by the way, if it felt so good, Raphael, you wouldn't be bringing it up now. That's how our disease works. It puts us in such denial that, oh, this it's fine. And yet, of all things you're bringing up, it's that, because it's not fine. So I'll tell you my story. If I don't tell you stories, then this is just a preaching lesson. Who the heck needs preaching? So most of you have it real easy. You're only attracted to 50% of the population. I take men as over women or as well as women or less or more. It's all the same to me. I'm an equal opportunity employer. I'll have sex with anyone when I'm in my active disease. And one day I was at where I worked and I needed some administrative stuff. And I had to put my head in every office to see if that's the office. And in one of the offices, I stuck my head in. This guy who had been a trigger for me, his eyes met my eyes. And I immediately took, moved away from where my head was into the office and I'm walking down the hall and all of a sudden I started to regurgitate, vomit. I always thought that was lust. No, it was poison. It was toxicity. I'm allergic. Drink to me only with thine eyes, and I will drink with mine. I'm allergic. And after some years of recovery, you start realizing that that's heart going up and that excitement. No, that's a physiological reaction from taking in the toxin, the allergen, not the sin. We're not talking sin. We're talking allergy. Yes, I did sinful behavior. Did sinful behavior. But it's not from sin. It's from an allergy I have that affects everything in my brain, these chemicals. And the 
big book refers to it as we, we like, pull our hand away like a hot flame. As you get further away from the toxicity, it's just like smoking. Until you stop smoking, you don't realize other people smell from smoke. So Raphael, I wish you luck. But somehow I'd avoid some of those officers. Some people wear glasses, and if it doesn't make things dangerous, I'll suggest they take off their glasses sometimes when they're in public. Just that little change. At a meeting, if someone is triggering for me, all I have to do is take the action and move my chair a fraction of an inch in another direction. If that doesn't do it, move it a little more. If that doesn't do it, just change my seat. I don't fight it into action. I'm without power. Next question, please. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Raphael, for the question and uh, Harvey. Next up, Brian Kay. Hi, thanks, Brian Kay, less addict, acting out junkie. Um, I think the keywords in the sobriety definition for me were actually sex with self in any form and also progressive victory over lust. It'll be 11 years in the program for me coming up this spring. Took me eight years to get any, any form of what it was genuine sobriety, no matter what I thought for those eight previous years. And I do call it, act, I'm an acting out junkie because uh, mindful of Bill Clinton's defense in the Monica Lewinsky trials, he didn't have sex with Monica Lewinsky. No baby was going to ever be produced. And my stuff is definitely off the charts when it comes to behavior. And, and so it was a chemical addiction. Um, what I appreciate, though, is the fellowship was tolerant. As I evolved in my understanding of, of what was sober, calling myself sober when it, now I look back and it wasn't, I appreciated the tolerance love showing me. There were those who attempted to put me in a box. That's this or that. I appreciated those I was close to who understood. Suddenly, at the beginning of COVID, I, I did a lot of meetings. I was in a meeting in my van, and I, I get a buzz from a meeting. I, get a, I got a buzz now. A couple lust hits walked by, and I felt the chemistry. If I do that lingering look or that double take, that is going to kick off some biochemistry I do not comprehend or understand that was the beginning of the end for me uh, because if I lust, I will act out. But lust is now truly optional for me. I get it. And now I pay attention to the insides. What is going on inside of me? And surrendering that lust has been the key for me. And for the first time recently, I got a year of sobriety and literally it was 99.99% lust free. There was one excursion. I waited weeks before I decided the reset and it was clear that was progressive victory over lust. So if it's regressive victory over lust, that, that's, anyway, I just wanted to share that. That is the essence of it for me. I don't think it's a focus on any kind of behavior. I think it's that lust. Uh, and that is, took me eight years to detect, oh, that is my brain on lust. And I pass. Thank you. And by the way, there's another article I, I wrote on what is lust. <laughs> because we tend to not even, it's in the essay articles, we tend another type of denial. That's the first step, as Brian's bringing out, does not even mention acting out. It just mentions lust. But regretfully, we've taken on the religious connotation rather than what is lust chemically for us and what produces the phenomenon of craving. I do want to bring something up that's my opinion uh, that uh, Brian was able to help me with. We don't define anyone else's sobriety. I have a tough enough time defining my own. However, there are certain basics. But how do we get around this? Many of the Zoom meetings I attend, and I attend many, as a, a member, as a participant, not as a speaker, chronic relapsing 
is taking over the fellowship. Chronic relapses have become the old timers on these Zoom meetings. And in Nashville, for years and years, and we're trying to get some of it back on some of the Zoom meetings, for the first 30 minutes of the meeting, we request people, it's in the essay book, this isn't Harvard, we request those who share in the beginning of the meeting have 30 days or more of sobriety. We can foster, Mike C does beautiful stuff on this, of the culture of sobriety. We can foster reinforcing relapsing and may many relapses be able to do it. But in my life, my first sponsor relapsed and ended up murdering someone and spending 33 years in prison in a sex murder. He went and cut the woman's heart out. He was doing obscene phone calls with. I have had so many calls from family members, etc., who killed themselves. Their spouses have just killed themselves. I've known people. This is a chronic, progressive, fatal disease. And many people, and this is only my opinion, who are chronic relapsers and it's not progressing are not sex, real sex addicts. They're sexual abusers. And they're in pain too and they need help. But the AA book talks about the real alcoholic. The real alcoholic. It's progressive. Luckily, we also have progressive recovery. And may some people be able to get away with it. But that's not my experience. If people keep coming back, it usually means they're in pain. So what they're doing, if they keep relapsing and in pain, it's not working for them. Yesterday at a meeting, most of the people were not sober. A day, two days, three days. Had quite a few people on the Zoom meeting. And I decided to kick it off and do something I've rarely ever done, if ever. I said, we can't ignore how many people in this room are not sober. I want to share for just a few minutes some tools I use for getting me sober and keeping me sober. And I request that those who have some longer-term sobriety share the tools they're using. This is not a lecture program. This is about learning medication for a chronic progressive fatal disease. It's a very big disease. We need a very big toolbox. And if you think God alone is going to do it, I wish you well. Because God didn't do it before the program. What makes you think he's going to do it now? What did God's grace do? He sent me to essay. What more can I ask for? And my sponsor would say, don't get too good before you get too well. 
all this God talk when we're drunk. I wish you well. But how can we talk God talk when we're God? When we're drunk or acting out, we go back to, and the first requirement is we know we're not God. You can't get this God connection if you're still playing God. Just my personal feelings. <laughs> Experience, strength, and hope, and you know about opinions. Everyone has them. <laughs> Everything I'm saying now is propaganda and not truth. It's my perception. My perception. And my perception is not truth. It's truth for me and what has helped me. And if you want what I have, you might do some of those tools. And try it. So one day at a time, this we are so programmed that it's difficult having a spiritual awakening when we're still wearing blinders. And those blinders is all this program. We're bad getting good. We don't say a diabetic is bad because. He didn't have too much insulin or not enough, and he might get into a car accident. We say, gee, that's awful, but the guy had a reaction. He needs to take his insulin every day. I'm not responsible for my disease, but I am responsible for my recovery one day at a time to take my medication. From the moment I wake up in the morning, just like a diabetic would have to take his insulin early in the morning, till the moment I go to bed at night. AA and SA cannot be part of my life. It is my life. Without it, I just fool myself that I can have all these connections with my wife and my religion and my God and my professions, not if I'm drunk. Who am I kidding? Okay, hopefully, there's our time's way up. Hopefully, this will get this topic out of the closet. We're not, I can't be judgmental about it to each his own. And Roy divinely, I felt, was divinely inspired with this special statement in the big book, in the essay book, in the crucible of our experience. Brian's crucible is going to be so helpful for so many people. But it was his experience. And it's got to connect with many people. Each of us have a different crucible. But we end up with hopefully true sobriety, which is progressive victory over lust. It says we cannot rest on our laurels. I can never think I got the answer. That's doomsday for me. Past few years have been some of the most exciting, exciting adventures into my step work and my 11th step especially. Exciting. It only gets better. The outside can turn to crap. But it gets better. Our reactions, our attitudes, when our brain is not permeated with all the endorphins, the natural heroin that we've had for years. I rest my case. <laughs>
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.